the James Suckling Podcast. Wine ratings, reports, interviews and more. Yeah, so so what so how long have you been at Palmyre then? Just since the acquisition or yes, I started in 2019. But uh needless to say, they I mean they showed really well and 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 I don't know, did you did you could you change anything there when you arrived they were in barrel, right? Right. Yes. Mostly just blending uh for the 2019 and then kind of getting the lay of the land for harvest 2020, getting prepared for that, um, getting up to speed. And then really now just kind of focusing on 2021 right around the corner. But it, the one, well, I found the wines really, uh, they've always been fantastic, but maybe it was the 18, but that was really something that was, the I love the way that, yeah, I love the way yeah. the, um, the tannins, I just love the quality of the tannins in, in that wine. Yeah, 18, the, with, let's start there. Let's just start from the sure. top, top red. Yeah. We can go backwards, we're professional. Yeah. Uh, so the 2018 crop red was an interesting blend compared to what it's been historically. There was actually a little bit of uh, smoke damage up at Waters, which is the predominant uh, state ranch for Paul Meyer. So the tough decision was made, okay, nothing post-fire went in, uh, which actually kind of sent us in a, in a really unique direction. This, this wine has the, the highest percentage of stagecoach that uh, we've ever seen uh. in dietary red. And that's, from my perspective, that's really promising, uh, knowing that that's yeah. essentially our what state brand. What you guys ranch. have, yeah. Yeah, so that was really exciting to see the, you know, those, those blocks that really, really shine um, in this wine. And it also was one of the first vintages uh, we're working with a new ranch up in kind of, it's just above Rutherford. I think they're maybe hoping for a slightly different uh, designation, but uh, upper range owned by the Bettinelli's. And we're, this is new, it's pretty young vineyard too. And we had to lean pretty heavy into it for 2018 and it, it it delivered so that was really promising uh, that is so interesting because when i tasted it i was like well what happened here it was so different than yeah. past wines and it was it was really this incredible tannin texture this it was just so silky yeah and i think I and mean, then the, the yeah it was it because sometimes it was uh, the and i like the wines of course but the tannins were a little bit coarser tannins and these right. are really fine and silky. And, and so you, you know, the, now it makes sense that the blends different than before it's coming, you know, more from stage coast and from um, this other vineyard. Yeah. It's, it's pretty exciting. I think, I mean, from my perspective, how I blend, um, you know, we, we source a lot of, really phenomenal fruit or phenomenal ranches and our farming is impeccable that transcends any you know winemaker that can sit in this position and you know I think my perspective on blending is really managing that finish and managing those tannins I think these wines are big they're opulent uh, but I think it's important to have a little bit of acid and balance with the tannin especially totally 
the mountain fruit and our oak profile. I mean, we're, we're not messing around. We're using heavy toast, you know, tear and sew barrels. Those are not shy. Uh, that is not a shy oak to put your wine in. So really ensuring that we have something that's velvety and smooth on the finish is, is really kind of the hallmark of proprietary red from my perspective. Yeah, but there's a real transparency and also um, weightlessness to it that mm -hmm. I think even though you're using some heavy tools there, you know, yeah. it really comes off light, you know, light-handed or light-footed. It's really, really something. I like the descriptor. Um, I had someone tell me this years ago and I never really got it. And then when I started blending the Palmyre wines, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Talking about it, uh, like a ballerina, like so powerful, so strong, but graceful and kind of light on your feet. And yeah. I think that that really clicked for me with, with these wines. I think you really got it on. Well, let's, um, let's try the Jason then. So what remind me of the Jason is that that's not, that's not really the second wine, is it? So it is. So yeah. we have the, the Jason, the Jason tier was created basically to manage uh, what didn't make it into proprietary red. Mm -hmm. We're, we're working a little bit away from that. Uh, we like to do things with intention and focus. So we're actually starting to source specifically for the wine style that we're looking for, for Jason. And really what that is, is a slightly lower oak impact. So managing those tannins a bit, a little bit softer out the gate, uh, really making something that is fleshy and juicy and that a consumer can, you know, buy within a couple of years of the vintage and it, it's really showy and, and just delivers at a pretty approachable price point. A how much does it sell? How much does it sell for? <laughs> uh, the Cabernet is eighty bucks. Okay, and what's the proprietary red up to now? Two two ten two twenty maybe. I think we were hovering around there. And again, um, I, what I like the wines are also so. Well, look, it's like eight a.m. And, you know, I could drink them. That's pretty, you know, and I'm not saying, oh, this needs time. They really just have a really nice balance to them. And, and you know, I, on this one, I said delicious and satisfying now, but it's going to age yeah. nicely. So it's really just has it all. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you can definitely take a bottle of, uh, well, specifically the 2019 Jason Cabernet and lay it down for 10 or 15 years. And it's yeah, really easy. But I mean, it's 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 looking very nice right now, and I think that's yeah. that's really what we're going for. It'll evolve and it'll change, but hopefully in a really positive positive way. And so, are you a bigger fan of nineteen or eighteen? Eighteen. Okay. Uh, I liked so prior to uh, coming up to Napa, I worked down on the Central Coast in Paso Robles in Rome oh, Country. Okay. Lots of Grenache, Syrah, Mved. Uh, I'm always trying to get every uh, Napa house I work at to make a Syrah and no one seems to be biting. That's probably <laughs> why I'm a winemaker and uh, not in marketing. But what I really like about Syrah is it has this dark kind of plum, uh, blueberry, boysenberry, just a really dark fruit profile. And I think you get that in Cabernet on slightly cooler vintages. Uh, you kind of you can really extend the amount of time that 
Cabernet hangs on the vine when you don't have those heat spikes and you're not trying to manage around raisining and uh, you know sugar concentration. And you end up with these really beautifully aromatic expressive wines. I mean, for me, I decide whether I like a wine almost before I've even tasted it. It's yeah, me too. 80% aroma. And I love the delicate kind of blue, blueberry, lavender, blackberry that you you get uh, on a cooler vintage. So yeah. 2018, I thought kind of the sweet spot for for me. Yeah, me too. It's a re- it's a real new benchmark for for Napa, but it's a benchmark in the sense for winemakers too, because I yeah. think that um, I don't know. Maybe you saw the the panel I did of. Uh, with Napa Valley Vintners Association last week, but we were talking mm-hmm. about 18 for an hour. And it was really interesting because I really think that it made that it made a lot of winemakers realize, you, you know, that they can make wines with uh, with slightly lower alcohols and uh, more aromatics and finer tannins. And, you know, it all, it started around 2010 and 2011, but, you know, it really culminated with, um, with 18 the wines are just you know stupendous particularly the ones that um show great balance like this wine or so many other ones there's not many high alcohol wines um that's really exciting and and, uh you know long long may it last when the vintage allows you to do that you know i think i think there's you know, sometimes you end up, if your goal is to make a lower alcohol wine, you fall short in flavor and tannin and concentration. But when, you know, you're able to hit all those marks of, you know, maturity from a flavor perspective and keep that alcohol number down and in balance, that's, yeah, that's the dream. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people, um, a lot of winemakers, your generation are really like focusing on that. You know, and I've seen that I just in a conversation with uh, Will Harlan the other day, like they were picking their 2020 um, Harlan in late in late August. Of course, there was pressure from the fire, but then they're like, wow. The, and now the wines, they're fantastic. He's saying it's like it's really yeah. changed that we don't need to follow these patterns we had in the past of picking so late. You know, right. we really like the wines and Screaming Eagle, you know, um, he doesn't, he picks really early now too. So a lot of these benchmarks for Napa, they're not doing this, you know, really late picking and, you know, and making, you know, over, you know, overly alcoholic and heavy wines. So it's pretty exciting. Right? And I think, eight, you know, 18, you know, in the end, uh, at, at most winemakers, I just love the vintage, you know, it's been a real love story for Napa. It's great. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I've, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation with, uh, you know, talking about pick dates and, and how that influences. I mean, that's obviously probably the most critical uh, point of the wine. And for a wine like Proprietary Red, we have the ability to blend. You know, we know going into it, we're going we're gonna to work from several different vineyards, uh, in some cases, several different blocks from the same site. And you know, pulling some blocks in on the earlier side to preserve those aromatics and get that really lifted, uh, fresh sort of Cabernet zone. And then having a few blocks that come in later to pack the punch in terms of concentration and uh, intensity. I think that's, you know, I think that's the key to making a Cabernet blend that is layered and nuanced and, and really interesting. 
Cool. Okay. By the way, did have you had much Syrah from Washington? Uh, I love Syrah from Washington. Force majeure. Okay, good. Is I one thought of my... you would. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just I, tasted uh, the new vintage. It's awesome. From Force majeure. Yeah. You got to yeah. try to try try the new um, K Vintners 2018s across oh. the board. Insane, and they're really good prices. Yeah, K Vintners delivers. Yeah, I love I I love Washington. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Good. I knew you yeah. would. Okay, let's try the Chardonnay. Yeah, we went totally backwards, but um, totally <laughs> no, that's excited. good. This this is how the they do it in Bordeaux. They taste the white wine after the red. So oh, okay, well, look at us. We're so so you're posh. good. Yeah, no, we're so posh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this Chardonnay, uh, I mean, 2019. So we're we're back into 2019 world. Uh, Again, we had those heat spikes with a little bit of a warmer vintage. So, you know, making this Chardonnay, we really had to be very, very artful about our blending uh, and making sure that we had the acidity. Uh, we knew we had the concentration. We knew we had the ripeness that came with the vintage. Uh, but the, the absolute key to this line is having the acid to hold up heavy toast, Carinso, uh yeah. barrels and, you know, pretty ripe Chardonnay. And I think uh, I think this wine is just so elegant and, and delicious. What's the, and so what's the alcohol on it? 14.9, like it, it, yeah, it, it has a really nice balance to it. <laughs> and, it yeah. and it feels, it feels like it's holding back a bit. Like it, it'd be interesting to see how it develops you know, as it's in your glass, when it warms up with air, it probably just fills in even more. Yeah, I think my, um, my like winter ritual. So we did something different with this wine. So typically the Chardonnay would bottle in August. And for the 2019 vintage, we pushed that bottling to, uh, let's see, I think we pulled it out of barrel in November. And mm -hmm. so I've been tasting the 18 and the 19 a lot because I want to understand what that extra couple months gave us. And uh, I started, uh, Cleo actually gave me this tip and it was a roasted chicken. So put a chicken in the oven, a couple lemons around, bake it. Uh, when it comes out, you squeeze the lemons over the top. And throughout that process, you know, you start prepping the chicken, you have a glass of wine, you know, the evening progresses, you have a few more glasses of wine and the, just watching the Chardonnay unfold and evolve uh, was is, is pr a pretty good education on, you know, the potential of, of Chardonnay. It's, it's really yeah, interesting. That's what, you, that's what you want though. Yeah, exactly. That shows that it's a really serious Chardonnay. That's what white Burgundy does. Right. Yeah. And then, and then the real like, you know, game changer is when you have a little bit left and then the next morning you try it again and it's, it's still you know generous and uh, bright and fresh that's it sounds like you better buy you better buy yourself a coravan because it sounds like that's your second bottle yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah